they're not here this week. They're in Montana with a baby, right? They have a grandchild, a new grandchild. Uh, Gary lost power this morning, but they'll be here eventually too. So, one of the uh, one of the discussions that we had last week, and and I was expecting it would sort of go along those uh, lines, was. Um, you know what? What about contemporary music? That's one of the things John spent some time on. And what what should we think about contemporary music? How should we um, how should we sort of mix that in with the ancient hymns? Uh, or should we or shouldn't we? So we got his philosophy of music ministry last week, um, and I, I thought that was very productive. And I have many places to go in this, so it'll it'll probably be a few weeks, um, and and that's good uh, that we'll be able to talk about this together. I wanted to uh, share a few thoughts that I had read. This was from a gentleman on Pathios.com. Anyone know what Pathios.com is? You never go there. It's just sort of this non-denominational place where people get together and talk about religious, spiritual things and. And this gentleman was commenting on music. He said, At some point, we decided that corporate worship, especially the music, wasn't about disciplined, regular reenactment of God's story. I like that. Instead, we decided that the purpose of music was to usher in an emotional experience, a perceived intimate connection with the Almighty. Musical appeal became a substitute for the work of the Holy Spirit. If we felt something, it couldn't be it couldn't just be the music, it must be the spirit. Funny how the spirit always seems to hit its biggest moves around the modulations. <laughs> right? Well said. So while music was once simply a way to add dimension to our sacred storytelling, we began to exploit its emotional appeal, suggesting the feelings it could evoke to be authentic spiritual connection. The congregation's work was no longer to sing God's story, but to feel happy, Jesus-y feelings while music is played in their midst. Or as our brother John put it last week in that memorable way, Jesus is my boyfriend music. <laughs> I love that. The Jesus is my boyfriend music that uh, could be used to describe some contemporary Christian music. Yes. Just in, I, I think what would, the focus is worship is you know music that we listen to to. Oh, why do we listen to music when it comes to our faith? Why do you listen to music? <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> it depends on depends on the who, what, and the when, and it depends on the country. If it's just one more song about a guy that lost his dog and his wife wrecked up the car because she was drunk, and now he's got three girlfriends instead of one and doesn't know which one he loves better, I agree. Will? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with feeling emotion, though. I mean, shouldn't music stir our emotions, Tony? I don't know. Emotion set to a beat. Mark? Yeah. Yeah, Mike. I guess I can't. It's tricky to sit here and say, like, this music is right, this music uh, is not. It's uh, so connected. Like, mm-hmm. Worship through music is the point of connection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and Considering your the, the 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 congregation that you are ushering together, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a, a group of you know teenagers from Brook Valley is gonna there's gonna be a different musical point of connection mm-hmm. than there's gonna be for our church than there's gonna be for something down south. And mm-hmm. So can you say that like the Southern Baptists are like an AME church that's just like cutting it up? That that's not right, and that. Mm-hmm. There's an inner city thing that uses some some hip hop elements that mm-hmm. that's not right. Mm-hmm. I think you, you can't just sort of cast this mm-hmm. this blanket of mm-hmm. a statement of, of like uh, you know certainly there's there's things there's the emotional trappings mm-hmm. and then there's just the the repetitive you know yes mm-hmm. God yes God yes God blah 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 mm-hmm. you know but I think 
lump it in and say, like, this style of music, drums are always ever bad, and mm-hmm. hip-hop is always ever bad, and shouldn't mm-hmm. be a part of worship. I think mm-hmm. it's really true. Wally. I think, um, if you take a look at the Psalms, they were using Psalms, and almost worship. But oftentimes, homology carries just say words. Not very usual. Words to a song mm-hmm. that are so inspiring, mm-hmm. that so motivating, inward. Yes. Like kind of the line along with what Mike was saying that it's really all about like your heart. Like where is your heart at? Like when I went to uh the church I went to before here or not two churches ago, I went to Jefferson Hospital. Before I went to that church, I was in a praise and worship I was a praise and worship leader and we did like contemporary stuff, Mm -hmm. we played guitar, we had a drum and all that stuff. And we went to Bethlehem Bible Church. There was one guy playing acoustic guitar, and then they would sing him. Mm-hmm. Now, if my heart wasn't right, and we would have went to that, and we would have went to that church, my heart not right, I would have been like, "We're out of here." Yeah. Just because of the music. Yeah. You know. So yep. I, I really, I think it really depends on your heart and where you're at. Yep. Yep. Gabe. My opposite of her parents is going to be fun, but I went to her church. Hymns, the ancient hymns elicit an emotional response. Right, and, and so it, in, in the end, like my my, my kids are not going to listen to uh-huh. like. Well, actually, they do listen. But at the same time, they listen to like Toby Mac and stuff uh-huh. like that, and, and and they're dancing around and singing the lyrics, and and it's and it's and it's initiating an uh-huh. emotional response. But don't we? Isn't usually like the point of contact, even even in even in in, in, a, in a marital relationship, it tends to be this like big fluffy emotional response and then things sort of settle down mm. and deeper connected and everything. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're quick to dismiss that. Like they're, they're just jumping around because of the music and because mm-hmm. it modulated and, you know, at, at some point, like I don't necessarily think that that's always bad. Right. Okay. You know? Will? <laughs> <laughs> the discussion all started off and sort of hinges upon the introduction of various music into the into the church today and i didn't make a real specific question to begin with i wanted it to be very sort of general and open so that i could see it take the direction that i sort of figured it was going to take anyway because it brings up two major distinctions when it comes to music that i want to talk about so it's uh so this is just laying the groundwork for it, it was more just sort of a provoking discussion on uh, contemporary Christian music and what is music for and is it wrong to feel emotion? Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are neat, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Music was not originally created by God, or so to speak, for church. <laughs> I mean, 
when you go back to Job and read that even as God was making the heaven, the stars were singing. There's always this talk in the ancient. So, yeah. Mm. I feel emotions during COVID maximum and uh, during the praise moment. And a lot of times, it's not even because of the music, it's like hear certain words. Like, I was feeling so down one day. There's a band called The Focus. They have a song called The Good Fight. And it's, it's all about, you know, like, keep fighting the good fight. And it, it lifts you up. It lifts you up. Um, I honestly. It, it does affect you in a way, but I don't think that the music has so much to do with it as the words. Uh, even right now, you're talking about how the Halloween chorus was mm. effective. If that was put to different music, I mean, it would probably still have the same effect. You know? I don't know. I might debate that with you Not nicely. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. In, at the same time, we do see. Yeah, Todd. Last well, comment, and we'll dive in a point truth and emotions must be connected very good point because you can get emotionally connected to inappropriate thoughts right uh so yeah no that's all right i like to hear music people especially because i'm a uh you know i got rhythm but. personally some of my deepest times of worship have been just sitting with my guitar mm-hmm. somewhere outside mm-hmm. picking guitar for hours <laughs> and never sing a word yeah you know the music itself yep can can make that point of connection as well. So yes. while the, the lyrics and, and the words are certainly, you know, vital mm-hmm. for that, um, the music itself isn't just a vehicle for the words. Right. It, it's, it's a, I, I agree. And it's what it's what Todd just said. It, it's really what Todd just said. There's a difference between corporate and personal. That's and where I'm going. Yep. Yep. I'm going there as well. Even tongues that fall in that category. Exactly. Yep. This personal, but yep. when you get into corporate setting, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a Absolutely. So it's it's all part of yeah, Tony. Well, that's a good point. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yes, Bev. I miss the old hymns. Uh-huh. I remember just a lot of years ago, the general time of them, the church put on the other, uh-huh. and I think So, so a lot of this sort of stuff that goes on with our sort of preferences of music, the emotion, one of the things that was just touched upon was emotions and words very much do go together. You're not going to receive proper doctrine through music alone. Agreed? There is no melody. There is no anything that is going to indoctrinate you, so to speak, to the reality of God, strictly through the music. But the words and the music together are also very important. That's why the Psalms are musical. So you'll see it. You'll see, you know, uh, a Psalm of David written to Shagayanath, whatever. Or there might be a certain... There's a certain hymnic or a certain melody to which the Psalms were set. Amazing Grace is much the same way. The song Amazing Grace wasn't set to its popular, uh, to its you know most known melody till 50 or so years after John Newton wrote it. 
it was it was set to another song that had been written. So I do think that there is um, it is very important, and, and there is a sense where, and this is where you know, uh, in personal devotion, liberty. I think that's what Christian liberty sort of does come in. We all have a responsibility to make sure we're not listening to, you know, just just fluffy stuff on the one hand. On the other hand, I don't think everything, this is just my own view, doesn't have to be so intensely, richly theological that we can't sing to ourselves as we're driving along, I come to the garden alone, where we're just having a little sort of, it is a little bit of a Jesus-y feeling, where we try to, God deliberately uses emotions. That's why we're emotional beings. Think about the ways that we use um, music. Think, think about the things that music does. Forget about the words for a minute. Who has ever been at Fenway Park in the seventh inning when they start singing Sweet Caroline? Something's happening there. Something is happening there. We're not just singing Neil Diamond's song. There's a connection taking place. This is congregational ballpark music. It is. It's very congregational. You can't beat it. I bet you can go to any stadium in the world, anywhere else in America, Major League Baseball, you are not going to get Fenway Sweet Caroline the way we do it here. It's special. It's a baseball anointing, <laughs> if you will. Think about exercise. Brother Will, you work out a lot, right? What do you listen to? Can you? It, it, what do you yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when I when I run sometimes, okay, I might have a couple of chosen songs, and it's mostly for the music and not even the words at this point. So I will even listen to something from Adele. I'll have a Zeppelin tune on. I'll have uh, no, I'll, no, I'll have a Zeppelin tune on. I'll have uh, I'll have Eric Clapton's Cocaine playing in the background. I'll have uh, what are some of the other ones I might listen to? Because they got a driving beat that will actually motivate my, when I'm starting to get a little bit tired. And I'm not thinking, I've even tried praying while I run. It doesn't work for me. Not with cocaine. Uh, right. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work with me. It just, I mean, I've tried to, I say, I'll try to make my running time meditation time. No, meditation prayer time is when, is not when my heart is pounding. One of the reasons why I meditate is to slow down my heart and to slow down my body and to be at rest. So I can't, I've tried that. I've tried to be the super spiritual runner and say, I know I'm going to get out there and pray for the church. I'm going to pray for my brother and sister. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not praying for you while I run. I give up. I, I can't. I, it just doesn't work for me. So I just want, I want to feel my body. I want, to, I want to get those occasional rushes of adrenaline where I go from, you know, running the dog pace. I might be going on a certain morning to just kicking it for, you know, a couple hundred yards and then getting so exhausted I want to puke. You know, I want, I want to feel that. We want to. We want to get immersed in it. Now you take that into theology and put the right music to it and I think you really got something going on. There is music, just like there's music that corresponds to the, you know, the Eye of the Tiger with Rocky, right? Remember the Rocky movie? Yeah. Eye of the Tiger? There's a theological, musical worship equivalent to that that God wants us fully to appreciate and to enjoy. And he wants it pumping through us in that way. Not for the, not just for the, and this is where I think people that talk about emotionalism there's a real, the, 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 the discussion of talking about emotionalism to legalistic emotionalism is about this big a step. You know what I'm saying? It's a very, it, the line is right there. From talking about healthy emotionalism to the emotionalism that reformed people love to condemn because they have a Calvinistic predisposition to making sure they don't feel too good. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And part of that rhythm mm -hmm. is incorporated into music. Yes. Rhythm and beat. Yes. And, and I mean, just, I don't know how anybody, ex-Calvinist, I'm sure do, mm -hmm. uh, condemn music just for right. enjoyment. Thank you. Sure, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with music for enjoyment's sake. I, every once in a while, I'll just put it work. I'll put on something like Don't Cry For Me, Argentina in the background. This operatic that is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Or, um, you know, even the, even the, and I don't even know the storyline, although I think I saw the musical on Broadway, uh, The Cats. Listening to that amazing song 
that the woman sings or to listen to uh, Phantom of the Opera. That stuff does something to me. And it, it doesn't have to be. See, this is where we compartmentalize our life. It doesn't have just because it, at that moment it's not theologically inclined doesn't mean that God isn't using what he gave me uh, to celebrate my being any more than eating a nice big chunk of buttery bread does. You know, when I eat really buttery, yummy, warm bread, I might be thanking God for it, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not thinking my grace would be sufficient for thee. At that moment, that bread is sufficient for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sure. And so do I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Wally. Nice. same way, we can be feeling miserable and listen to something like, you know, throwing the gaiters or something on the way to work and just find myself before, you know, it almost got tears streaming down my face singing with Linda Randall, you know, God on the Mountain. So there's such a wide range of experience we have with music, particularly personally and devotionally. And the liberty that we have in Christ to be the unique, diverse beings that we are, um, Listen to these words here. He's the most magnificent, the total antithesis of the insufficient, the blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent, difficult to comprehend, independent of space and time, but presently present. How rich are those words? Well, don't let me poison your mind. I guess I just did, but are those not rich words? He's the most magnificent, the total antithesis of insufficient, the blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent, Difficult to comprehend, independent of space and time, but presently present. Suspending the heavens with speech, from coast to coast, he speaks peace to wind, and seas got heavenly hosts, easily posted on bended knees, controls the cosmos with the most authority, so he boasts in the most exalted king, Christ Supreme. Those words are from a rap song. Both of those verses I just sang from you are from that rap dude, Linny. I don't know if you pronounce his last name. It's L-I-N-N-E. It's Lin. Shai Lin. That's from one of his songs. Those magnificent... And so I did, the, I did myself the favor of listening to him rap some of this stuff this morning. And I said, this is absolutely amazing. Look at the words to this. Look at the words to this song. Because I was listening to Shannon last week saying, that's her favorite artist. And I said, well, i, I got to listen to a little bit of this Christian rap because... To me, rap is always just about violence, gangbanging, sex, etc., etc. Okay? So I said, am I confusing the medium possibly and thinking that just the medium is a problem? So I sat down and I'm going to say, I'm going to, I said to myself, I'm going to make myself listen. And thank you for letting me share. I don't want to make this about me. I'm going to make myself listen to this rap song. I could have listened to it for half an hour. Right? No, I was sitting in my chair. I just, it was late. I said, I got to get breakfast. I know, but I got to, I got to give this another ten minutes. I got to hear this. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've totally sort of in my own way. I mean, yeah. Just because many have taken that medium of rap and turned it into an advertisement for filth and pornography and hate. <coughs> That doesn't mean that the medium is wrong. Oh, sure. Good thought. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, but that is the thing, too. Listening to... Yeah. So even if you like listening to it, because I, I, I love the ancient... I love the old hymns more than anything. Um, myself. And you would think, and so I was thinking, yeah, but young people, they're not going to be so inclined to like the old. I said, wait a minute. I grew up feeding on Creedence Clearwater Revival, Queen, Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones. Man, I, I mean, that was, 
I didn't have to have my theology, my, my music, my worship music set to that kind of thing. Christian hymnody to me was completely new. I mean, I heard some of it in the Catholic Church growing up, right? Uh, but uh, not, not they, they sang some things like How Great Thou Art, they used to sing. No, oh no, well in the 50s, right. No, no, I'm sure. Right, no, you had, I know you had the Latin service, priests back to the people, etc. So, um, so it wasn't a, that wasn't a difficult transition for me at all, you know. I mean, I went from, you know, listening to Bohemian Rhapsody to How Great Thou Art. You know what I mean? And I appreciate them both, certainly, for what they are. But the right theology and the right hymns. And so I, it was important that we have this just sort of general sort of discussion about music. We know this. I want to get some things from Scripture to set the table before we get into some particular hymns. Um and feel free to also sort of bring up, you know, I'll ask here and there about hymns that have sort of meant the most to you uh, and that do mean the most to you. But Colossians three sixteen to 17, who can, who can give me that from memory? Let the word of Christ. Well yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there's a reason why that follows up on that, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Now, I didn't look deeply enough into this. Um, The different translations treat this differently grammatically. whereas here. Um, and I don't even know, I forget where I was on the web when I just did the old copy and paste on this, so I don't even recall what translation it is. I have to open up my ESV here and see if uh, Colossians 3, 16 to 17, how it's in here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, comma, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, comma, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, semicolon. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, semicolon. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. There's a difference between a comma and a semicolon. Anybody dare to teach the rest of us what that is? Do it. Yeah, I knew you could. <laughs> so a, a comma is just going to say there's more to follow. Yep. Semicolon is kind of using the period to end to complete that thought, mm-hmm. but also neat way for the continual thought. To yes. Connect. That's a nice way to describe it because Whoa. you sort of you you, you sort of see a you sort of see a yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. So so uh, and that's a good way to do it because and you 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 used I don't even know if you did this but you were doing visuals while you were doing that there is both a period and a comma and a semicolon so to speak so that was sweet that was good <laughs> well get with it dude you know uh, my understanding was that those that that are that, are ish, that have the issue of sight can you know they 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 their other senses as well sort of make up so if you were listening a little bit better you would have heard. <laughs> You you would have heard the wind of her hand. So that's awesome. That's just tremendous. Um, okay, so and then we have in the Revelation, right at the end, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in the sea, I'm sorry, and all that is in them will sing to the Lamb on the throne. Will we all be doing the same song, or is it going to be a cacophony of some doing rap, some doing this, some do, I don't know. But there was a discussion that I want to pursue a little bit for, well, the first was that verse. So the question is, are we teaching and admonishing one another in those spiritual hymns and songs? Because that's what happens, that's the challenge grammatically in how that verse is translated. Are we using psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to teach and admonish one another, or is that a separate thought? And not entirely separate, because the whole thing is, you know, body function. So in addition to... uh, Letting the word of Christ dwell richly in us. Certainly music could help do that. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs to God. 
Well, I think regardless of how we sort of parse this verse out, songs will in teach doctrine. Right? Songs will. They're, they are teaching us. They are, in some ways, <clears throat> admonishing us. They are showing us uh, certain things that are true about our God that remind us. And, uh, and then the music, I find that music, the melody, the rhythm, those kinds of things, I find that that part can break down my barriers to learning. Because our emotion and our intellect should be so connected that to have one sort of affected can be to affect the other as well. So I find that where I might, suppose I'm having, uh, just because of my own uh, sinful proclivity, might be overly grumpy about something. And I'm not so inclined to think in terms of fight the good fight of faith. You know, when my attitude is more like, you know what, I'm not fighting today. I don't give a rip, right? So instead of being there, the music does something to disarm me, right? The music, the rhythm does something to disarm me, and then my, my intellect, my mind becomes open to the things of God. So I think that's very important. Um, and I think it's something that we all experience, whether we've ever sort of articulated it that way or not. First Chronicles chapter 25 Verse 1. This is so cool. There's so many things in the Old Testament, right? Who were the main, in the beginning of God's people, who were the main musical people? What tribe were they from? Thank you. Yeah, right. The Levites, from within the Levites. Isn't that interesting? The same tribe that was the priesthood, right? The, 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 the uh, covenantal priesthood, the old covenantal priesthood. From that tribe also, the musicians were chosen, and the singers. That's not by accident, right? God's doing something there. Yes, Wally. Yes. You'd have to ask Gregory. They named the chant after him. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if that was because... I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't begin to know where to guess. I think it's more because of the sound of the hymn. Like if you listen to it, it's almost like that. It's almost scary. If you listen to the music, uh -huh. and you're in a Catholic church, you're like, oh, you're going to That's funny. That's funny. I Gregorian chant does go back to, doesn't it go back, Chris, you had a hand up, doesn't it go back to like the 15 and 1400s? I was just saying that the church. I wasn't there. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> the church, uh, and, and even still, people use chant just to be able to say mm. something, like, something that's worth memory. Yes. But it's just seeing a bit of music repeated a bunch of times sure. and you've got it. That's right. You know, so if you look at it, separate it perhaps from like an expression of worship, mm -hmm. worship but more of like a church music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many people learn their ABCs by singing the ABCs? All right. And what does it say about praying many words? Well, Jesus was talking about praying. He says, don't be like the Gentiles do, you know. Uh, they think they're going to be heard just because of their many words. And, and that can be, you know, that can be a number of different things. So I don't want to get too into that. But, yeah, I don't know that that's Gregorian chant is necessarily... A violation no, of that? I'm not saying no. you're suggesting that it is? Okay. David and the Chisis, First Chronicles 25, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 7. David and the chiefs of the service also set apart for the service the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jejathun, who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals. The list of those who did the work and their duties was, it goes on to give a number of names, verses 4 through 7. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, of Heman, the sons of Heman, Bukai, Madaniah, Uziel, Shebuel, and Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Eliathath, Gidalti, and Rumamatiazir, Josh Bekasha, Melothi, Hothir, Mahazioth. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's sayer, according to the promise of God to exalt him. For God had given Heman fourteen sons and three daughters, and they were all under the direction of their father and music, hymns, etc., etc. So we, we see that the appointing there, David organizing the musicians. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, 
this is just a, really not even a smattering of what's in the Old Testament for music. Chapter 20, verses 1 to 2. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the uh, Meonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. <clears throat> some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom. I'm going to hop down to 21 and 22. Uh, and when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. The musicians were the front line. The music makers and the singers were the front line in the war. They went out first. Yeah, sure, right? Look at the old Revolutionary War pictures. Yep, yep. Yes. Whoever saw the movie uh, Apocalypse Now? What, what goes on in that movie? There was a sort of, they use a lot of pretty intense rock music then, right? What did we do to Vietnam during the war? Oftentimes, they would just go. They would fly over the villages, playing loud, loud rock music out of the helicopters, just really, just settling, just disrupting the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Just to, exactly. Just to drive. Just to drive them nuts, you know. So you know, blast, you know, tiptoe through the tulips by Tiny Tim. Yeah, Gary. Titanic was going down. That's right. The band played near on my Yeah, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Those musicians, boy, you know, even if it be a cross that lifteth me, you know. Well, they were musicians, and they wanted to go out, living what they were singing, I guess, and being a comfort to other people. Yeah. Yeah, so they were just going to settle. The, that, they did what they they died doing what they had been doing for a long time. You know, it'd be like, you know, the boat is cracked in half, the Titanic is going down, and Gary yells out, "I've got something to say to you," you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? And the people are like, swimming up, blah, blah, blah. I believe so. Yes. intense moments. So, music is such a ministry. Um, okay, and as I, again I mentioned, we think of all the areas in our culture that we, you know, that have, you know, access to music and why they do it. Every music has, I'm sorry, every movie has music. People develop musical scores. I mean, I mean, can you can you imagine watching, uh, you know, a Star Wars movie, right? <laughs> while while listening to, you know, John Denver. I mean, just, I mean, John Denver was great in what he did, but I don't want to listen to John Denver while I'm watching Star Wars. It doesn't, the music, the way they build in, the crescendos and everything, the way they do it, right? It's so powerful. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. 
It absolutely does. Everyone recognizes music, brother. I, I'm curious about uh, what you think about Apostle Paul versus Paul. Uh, Paul yeah. Yeah, that's a very, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a great point when Paul's talking about love. He says, you know, if, well, he, no, when he's talking about tongues, he says, if I hear a particular oh. instrument, right? If I hear, if I don't know what it's for, if I don't know the rally cry for the for the war, if I don't know, you know, and, and what's going to happen at the Lord's return, the last, right? <laughs> no, not Donald Trump, some people, <laughs> right? The trumpet, right? There's going to be music that sounds. There's going to be music that sounds in whatever way that is, you know. I don't know if that, if I take that extremely literally and expect it's just going to be this consistent blast that's heard around the world or what. Um, that would be easy compared to what's probably going to actually happen. Yeah. Yep. So we all know that music just has this powerful, motivating influence. So why? Why? Is for every other area except our theology and our life in Christ? No, no, of course not. Uh, but we have it. We have it as this great gift. Then we have the question of, you know, again, the private devotion versus congregational singing. So as excellent as the ver- those words are from that rap song, I would never congregationally sing rap because. Amen. Because I think it's very hard to, unless you really learn, and maybe you can, maybe, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm just, you know, a rural country white dude, and I just don't, I can't foresee being able to have that many people. It seems to me like some songs are easier to congregationally sing, and that there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yep, I don't know if a whole bunch of young people could congregationally rap. I I don't know. <laughs> and then and then and then the the problem always comes, do I get and this is where I you know I'm, I don't know the answer to this. When does the medium itself become more important than the message it's communicating? And that's just something I I, I heard Paul Washer say. Uh he was really commending this group of rap artists that had just performed and um the only warning he gave was to never let the medium, you know, the, the, the type of music, never let that become more important than the message itself, because then that would be futile. Um, and so, you know, clearly I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but congregational singing, and this can be upsetting. When I pastored another church, I thought I had made a tasteful sort of transition to just the, the old hymns to some more contemporary stuff. Uh, but I, I guess I didn't. I didn't communicate it well enough. I worked well with the with the music people, but I didn't sort of involve the general uh, body so much because I thought of it more as a, uh, just like I wouldn't in some ways consult the body as to what I was going to preach on. I wouldn't consult the body on music. I would consult those that knew music, and particularly this one young woman. And so, but... After the first Sunday we did that, where we had maybe one older song and a couple of new contemporary ones, uh, one person said, I'll never sit foot in that church again, in this church again, right? And, and this person did. This person was just known to reaction. But then I reacted to that person as well, you know. I remember somebody in the church told me that, and I, and I said to myself, well, maybe he ought to suck it up and, you know, forget that it's not all about him, right? So I was equally gentle with him, right? Uh, but just, the, you know, it was that big a change. And so some churches now have, as we mentioned last week as well, separate services. Where you've got the young people going, and to me that is the biggest mistake a church can make. And maybe that's, maybe that's me being uh, me. I don't know. I don't think we want to divide people up by groups. Yeah, I don't want to divide them up by age groups. I don't want them, because that's when the unity that comes in Christ is going to be interrupted by the disunity that comes from music. So we're going to sacrifice our unity because we have different tastes in music and the gifts that we can impart, the young to the old and the old to the young, are going to be forsaken. And then once in a while we'll have a great big coming together where we all come together for one big service and put up with each other. You know, I think your churches that do that uh, uh, um, short-sighted. 
They're penny wise and pound foolish. Yep. Oh, junior church, as they call it. My 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 own feeling on that is I don't like the idea of junior church. I don't like that. I, I, I but at the same time I don't expect my five year old to sit there and listen attentively either. I don't have I'm not distracted by her. I don't care if she's coloring or eating crackers or whatever. For the longest time, Bev can attest to this. I thought my, my son Michael could not possibly be getting anything out of. Sunday school because he had ants in his pants constantly, and and in uh, uh, Bev had mentioned it, and, and uh, Kathy Racy's who was a teacher, if you know, Sister Kathy would say it's amazing how much that kid would get when I was thinking he was getting nothing. Yeah. You know, so um, now if, if now that's a different thing. If say Aurora becomes a distraction to somebody else, or is just generally overly distractive, or you know. But I, I, we seem to know how to do that as a church pretty well. But I don't know, you know, maybe somebody, that's just me. Um, I think family is the first unit of where we learn about God. So if, if we're going to be in church, it should be as family. Um, so, and, and then, you know, so, you know, here we have this, you know, where the kids can come down, the younger kids, and that's healthy, I think, if, if they're just overly, you know, distracted or being a distraction. Yeah, but I've you know I've been at churches that did that. and They called it quote junior church, and I thought just calling it that to me, I don't I don't think I like it. So, what do you think about that, brother? It's a different subject, but it it does sort of come in. What do you think about that whole idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like that in scripture. Right. I do think though that you know, I don't feel it's like the kids. That's why we're trying to have. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Yes. 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 Remember, after the first time of the wolf, the second time I was like, "Oh, great! Here it comes, tales from the crypt again." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes, my dear sister, what are your thoughts on it? I, I don't want to take it to a different place, but I definitely, I want to amend everything you're saying, and I'm so blessed by it. I'll have to say that again. Mm. But I also feel like we need to make sure that we're examining what we're doing in our home. Yeah. Because oftentimes we have like a Bible study. Right when it's to get needy or adultish, we have videos that we have on for kids. Mm-hmm. We kind of put them in another room and mm-hmm. we exclude them from covenant action. Like yeah. There's a covenant going on here in a relationship mm-hmm. between God mm-hmm. and their kind of because they are noisy or maybe we didn't think through providing an activity for them at their level that yep. they can be quiet enough for a while but it's going to be really not. Sure. I think sometimes we have an easy way in our culture of kind of putting something away. Right? Yes. Providing Thank you for that. Separate from them. Yep. And I feel like that needs to happen in our Bible study. In, in our small group, Aurora hangs out. Uh, and often she's hanging out on April. But Perfect. when we were all yeah, praying yeah, at the yeah, end of the school, when we are all, it's where we play and pray, right? And, and April can multitask that very well because she's contributing, getting stuff out of it, you know? But, um, but at the end, we were all just sort of praying. So Aurora just came and stood next to my chair, and she was just sort of leaning against her chair with her hands folded, and we were done. She said, I was praying too. I was like, that's exactly what you're talking about. Very simple. I think Jesus would favor that too. Yeah, they are. saw the disciples trying to shoo the children away. You know? Were they getting underfoot? I mean, I don't know. Were they just being kids, running around? I mean, one of the hardest things 
uh, as a parent is trying not to let the child, being a child, uh, like uh, get you agitated. To, to just try to listen. To just remember that they're full of energy. My job is not to get them to just fall in line with what I think it's, you know, and they just, how do I let them be themselves in the right way? And how do I acknowledge them? And, and remember that kids are, we have a lot to learn, Jesus said, in a sense, about the way that children relate and interact with adults has something to tell us. And also, they have a lot to tell us about how to not, <laughs> but, you know. Okay, good. So we're going to go upstairs now. Next week, we'll pick up with some, we'll go over some specific hymns. And uh, then the week after that, we have, that's that's going to be when uh, the Sassers, yeah. And they're musical people as well, so that, that'll segue nicely into, you know, some of that. There's, there's more to talk about musically, so to speak, than I actually thought there was. I thought this would won't be a one-week sort of uh, filler, but it's, it's grown into much more because uh, it should. All right. In that case, let's ask uh, Chrissy to close us out in prayer and head upstairs. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we know that we are called to be praisers and worshipers. Mm.